0: Y'all good? Thank you, Lord. That was great out there yesterday at the park. You know, sometimes when you go somewhere and you feel God's happy presence, you know, in the Bible, in the New Testament where it says blessed, it means happy. Okay? God wants us to be happy. And I felt His happiness yesterday, so He's wanting to help us to be happy. And I will try not to make you sad. (laughs) We would love to have preachers that made everybody happy, wouldn't we? Uh, you know, in the biblical sense of happy. All righty, let's see. Bill Davis, stand up. Bill Davis, who else, who else in here who has got some sickness or something wrong with him? I want you to stand up. Come on, anybody else? You know, the Lord just wants us to hate disease. All right, somebody, let's put their hands on them. Matthew, you all had this thing going. I feel like God just wants to heal people. Father, we are just agreeing with heaven this morning that you love people. And one of the ways you demonstrate your love is through the healing power of the cross. Because you died for our sins, Lord. It says you were wounded for our transgressions. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us. So we pray for these people this morning, Lord, that are suffering in their bodies and are Hearts, whatever they're more physically, mentally, emotionally. We just pray right now that healing would come down. Healing power. Make sure everybody's got somebody that's laying their hands on them. So, is anybody standing that nobody's praying for you? Raise your hand. I want to make sure everybody Somebody put their hands on Art Tebow back there. Any, anybody, we want to make sure, because this is how power, you know, the Lord laid his hands on people sometimes. Sometimes he just spoke to them, but we're doing both. We're speaking and laying hands on and believing. Healing power come now. Yeah. Yeah, just heal, Lord. Heal, heal, heal. Heal because you don't like disease, Lord. You don't like sickness. Yeah. Yeah, so That's right. Yeah, be whole in Jesus' name. Wholeness of God come. Lord, we thank you for doctors and medicine, uh, that's wonderful, and, but we believe also for supernatural healing, power, in Jesus' name, amen, thank you, Lord. Let the compassion of Christ flow in this place. Woo, yeah, that's good, isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. All righty, praise the Lord. You know, uh, okay. You know, probably everybody in here has heard somebody, some famous preacher, or some not famous who talk about we're in a new day and it's a new time. Anybody heard that? You're kind of tired of hearing all that, and I just sometimes I get tired of hearing certain things. But uh, you know, but the truth is, we are, and we things are different just all the way around, even in our our nation. They're not the way they were, you know. And so we have to make adjustments in our lives in about this, this time we're in. I think. If, so I was listening to uh, um, this guy who wrote Steve Jobs' biography. He was on uh, 60 Minutes, I think, doing an interview. And everybody knows who Steve Jobs is, right? He's the Apple Man, or was the Apple Man, He's a good guy, right? <laughs> Anyways, this guy was talking about Steve Jobs and he was talking about what happened to him once he found out his cancer was incurable and he had not long to live. Uh, it said that Steve became much more focused and he said some things like, You know, I can't travel the world anymore. You know, I've got to find, I've got to focus my life on the two or three things that I can do. Okay? I've got to focus my life on the two or three things. I can do. There's a scripture, Psalm 90, verse 12 says, "Teach me to number my days, that I might gain a heart of wisdom." Moses says, "Teach me to number my days," and so Jobs found he got that revelation the hard way—that literally his life was cut short. Okay, but we don't have to get that revelation that that way, right? We okay, but God still wants us to number our days. God, I think we're in a time where God is calling people, you know, into focus. You know, what are you supposed to focus on? What are the two or three things in your life that you're supposed to be doing? Because you can't do everything. Uh, This could be like an old person's message, actually. (laughs) You know, like old people do less things, but they do, you know, dial in tighter. And I think young people could dial in tighter, you know. (laughs) But that's the thing in my heart that I've been really seeking the Lord about. In other words, Steve Jobs, what he determined the two or three things that he could do was a couple of really nice things, iPads, iPhones. That, was, that became the focus of his life, is developing these products uh, and developing them even, even into the future, the next generations. And so that's, that's gaining a heart of wisdom. And see, God really wants us to gain a heart of wisdom. He really is, is calling us in a time to focus. What, what is your focus? What are the, the few things that you should be putting your hands and putting your heart into and so I've been thinking of that a lot in my life um, recently and a lot for the church. You know, is what, what should be our focus, okay? And I don't know, you, you can, the way I am is, is I'm, I'm, I tend to try to look for the, for the concrete things that I can do. Like an iPad or a iPhone, that's very concrete. But I realized that God was not really speaking a whole lot to me about practical, concrete things. He's speaking a lot to me about spiritual things, of where the, my spiritual focus should be and what I should pursue spiritually. And I believe as we pursue the spiritual part, the natural will just come; it'll naturally come out, and it will be apparent that these are the things that we should put our hands to in a practical way. Amen. And so that's really, really where I believe we are in terms of you know all this talk about new seasons and new days and. And anyways, that was a great Marlon, uh, message that Marlon had uh, last week. If, if y'all didn't hear it, he preached in the first service. I really uh, ask you to, you can download that and get that message. I wanted to make sure I said that. Um, and also that message Bob Jones gave last week, if you weren't here, get that. That was the best Bob Jones message ever, anywhere ever, the entire time I've ever heard him preach. It was like, golly, I really actually understood what he was saying. Uh, I mean, I must, uh, something must be happening.
1: <laughs> I remember one
0: time a friend of mine I was telling a friend of mine, hey, man, Arthur Burke came to our house and preached a message He said, well, how was it? I thought, man, he was great. I I mean, it was awesome what he was saying. I was understanding everything he said. And he said, Byron, Arthur Burke ain't preached nothing that you ain't ever heard before. He ain't changed. You've changed. You know? I thought, oh, what? maybe that's right. Maybe the Lord's giving me... Giving me something, but Bob's message really was very clear. righty, let me just do this. Uh, so I've really thought the Lord about our church, not only for myself, but our church. What, what should be our focus going forward, okay? What should be our focus? What are the two or three things that we should focus on? And that's what I want to share with you. Um, and the first scripture I want to give you is in Matthew 6, okay? No, don't, ooh. Matthew six thirty one. Okay? All right, this is in con. Now listen, I want you to really get this. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, gosh. Let me give you the Sermon on the amount. Okay? There needs to be a Sermon on the amount. I need some money. I'm I'm taking a break here. I'm giving you another sermon. This is a commercial. I need some money. Okay? If you notice, we've did a few things, changed a few things in the church, like created this little room out here. What what our dream for this church is the Father's living room, okay? That's the atmosphere we're in. a living room like God the Father's living. You come into His house, you sit down in His living room because it's a place where He, you know, it's where you meet with the Father in His living room. There's a there's an atmosphere that we're going after. So we try are trying to expand that on a practical level. Of course, you can't do it if you don't have it spiritual. But one so that was the first thing. The second thing we want to do is make some uh, remodeling in here, okay? And basically what we're going to do is we're going to turn things, all right? We're going to turn the room and put the stage down there. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Just really simple. Uh, It's so simple, it's it's tiring simple. The problem is it's going to cost that this is just a high spot estimate, $50,000 to do that. Well, don't look at me like I'm crazy, okay? I mean, I didn't come up with those numbers, But those may it may be a little high, okay? But we need fifty thousand dollars to do this. Now I'm gonna y'all looking at me like man (laughs) Yeah, like what? I'm asking you to give me that fifty thousand dollars to do that. I'm just cutting right to the chase. I need the fifty thousand, I need you to give it to me. (laughs) Okay? You don't have to give it all to me today. I'll take half of it today. From one dollar to fifty thousand dollars, whatever you want to do, that, anything from one dollar to fifty thousand, you can contribute to it. I'm going to give you. A, we'll have a little slideshow next week to show you what we're going to do. But you know, just just I'm not going to get into details. Huh? Well, one thing, the sound system costs twenty five thousand dollars. Our sound system is old; it's starting to break. There's things that are not working on it anymore, and so we've got a, a high spot a good sound system that will last a long time. That's half the money right there. So that should tell you everything. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you this. We felt like the Lord wanted us to do that, what we did. What we did so far cost $4,000. We didn't have the $4,000. The Lord gave us $4,000 to do that. That gave me faith to believe that God could... I mean, because, you know, four, four grand, 50 grand, a million grand, that's nothing to God, right? It's all the same... It might be something to us now. I mean, it's all something to me, but I'm. Yeah. You know, we can expand the seating, and God's got some special things in front of us. He really does, some special things. I really know. So it's not just that we're trying to serve ourselves, it's really something, there's something coming. Okay? But, all right, now, now that I've messed you up and you're all mad about the 50,000, you know. You'll be all right, though. Trust me. You're going to be all right. You know, it's just money, right? Anyways, <laughs> therefore, there. See, therefore, do not worry. Don't worry about that fifty thousand. <laughs> just give it. <laughs> all right. So, therefore, do not worry. What? Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? See, those are the, the those are the basic things of life that. That everybody has to have. Everybody, you know, that's a, con- a basic concern of all of us. And Jesus is telling us, and remember, this is Jesus' heart. This is the way Jesus lived his life. He's revealing, this is, this is the way I live. This is the way I think. This is what this Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's not some kind of rule to follow. It's a heart. It's, the, it's God the Father He's saying, this is how I lived my life when I was on this earth. This is how I thought. This is how I approached things. I didn't worry okay, for all these things the Gentiles or the world seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, your heavenly, so it's a real thing that, of trust that Jesus was talking about here, that, that we really have to know that we have a Father, and that we've got to trust this Father, that He knows our needs, okay, and that we shouldn't be worried or concerned about this, but this is what you should be doing, okay, but seek, First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words... Every day has its own issues, and we shouldn't. Have you ever noticed there's some things in the Bible that you need to confess to get? Like salvation requires a confession, right? You you ain't going to get it. But trouble? You ain't got to confess trouble to get it. (laughs) Jesus said we're going to have trouble in this world. You don't have to make a confession about trouble. It's coming your way. I'm not confessing trouble, Lord. In fact, I'm wishing that scripture wasn't in the Bible. But there are some things we need to confess. Don't confess trouble, though it'll be as it is. Because Jesus said there's going to be... This. But really what the Lord... Here's the first thing we need to do. Is, is I remember I talked to you about this verse a little bit already, that this is God's math, okay? If we seek first the kingdom of God, there's an addition that happens to our life. If we seek something else first, there's a subtraction that happens to our life. And see, what God wants to do, especially for people in the United States, for all over the world, we've really got to get this thing is he is calling us to come back into a place of addition, where he is adding to us, instead of losing, he wants to add to people. He wants to put into people, He wants to give to people. He wants to, all these things he wants to give and give and give into an overflowing. but if we're not seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, these things little by little, we will begin to lose. And we begin to lose lots of things that, are, that we really need in life because of where we're, what we're seeking. Are y'all following that? So really what we had to do is we've always been thinking in the church world, thinking about how to fix the church, you know, how to make the church the way we think the church should be. But you cannot fix the church. There's no fixing of the church. But if we seek first the kingdom, the church will, will, will come into alignment. The church will fix itself. That's what I really believe. I don't think we should seek to fix something to make something different, I think we should seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then I think things begin to happen by automatically because we're going after the right thing. And I believe that really has to become a real focus of our church, is seeking first the kingdom of God, what that is, what that looks like. And one of the things that I've done in my life is I have asked God for the, a desire for the kingdom. Okay, Lord, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I've asked him, give me a hunger, give me a desire to pursue the kingdom of God. And I believe that's a, a prayer that God would answer That he, as we begin to, to pursue his kingdom. But, but you're not going to pursue something you don't have a desire towards, right? You don't pursue something that you don't have a felt need for. Okay, so God, God will give us not only a desire, He's going to give us a felt need. That's what He's trying to do to the church now, I believe, in, in our country. He's given us a felt need in our country for something greater. Okay? Everything is being shaken right now. Our world is being shook really hard. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12, there's an unshakable kingdom. Okay, and so God is really wanting us to see, all this is shaken, but I have something unshakable. And that's the thing that he wants us to grab hold of. And I believe part of the shaking that God has allowed to come on our country is really a blessing in disguise, or it can be a blessing in disguise, if we will, will lay hold of the unshakable. And, and the unshakable will become the great priority of our life and that we would seek that first. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with this? So that's, that's the first thing that I believe the Lord really wants us to, to really go after. Is seeking first the kingdom of God in our lives. Amen? And nothing that good? That's an awesome, really, duh, revelation. Like, duh, well, of course you're supposed to do that. It's right there in the Bible. All right, the second thing is, this is the second thing that we're going to go after is the manifest presence of the Lord, okay? The, the glorious manifest presence of the Lord, okay? Now, this is really, I believe this is in the future, in the days ahead, is going to be the make or break for a lot of churches, Okay, I believe that, now it, it, we would think that's a dumb thing, that would be a make or break. But this presence, when the, presence, the glorious presence of God comes, there's going to be an offense that's going to come with that. Because God doesn't operate on, on, on a mind level, He operates on a heart level. And, he, and, and this presence, this manifest, glorious manifest presence that He's going to release could be very offensive to us at first. It really could throw us at first. Yet we have to submit ourselves, and we begin to submit ourselves to this. I'm talking. I'm not talking about a seeing this glorious presence with the eyes of your heart. I'm talking about where people visibly can see the presence of God. And well, I know that could be controversial for some people, but it's not for us, right? We we believe in that. Visibly see it. Visibly touch it. Visibly feel it. Okay. And I believe that's really one thing that God really wants to release. I'm going to read John. Are y'all okay? John 14 to you. A couple of verses out of John 14. Um, now everybody loves John 14, right? That's the chapter we should be able to go anywhere in the world, anybody in this room, if you've been in this church, you should be able to go. If you didn't have anything to preach, you could go and preach from this chapter because this is the Father's heart chapter. John 14 is all about His heart. The whole chapter is. And one of these days we may try to go go through the go, go through it, but uh, i want to read verse 23 first, and then I'm going to read verse 21, okay? Because verse 23 really gives you some, just sort of gives the foundation for verse 21. For some reason, it's the way he said it. It seemed backwards, but anyways, he does things backwards, right? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, right? Now, how do we love God? How do we love God? Because he first loved us, so this thing about getting in a position of always receiving love you, you can we will never get away from that that's the, that is it for the rest of the time is we can never get to a place where we think we've been loved enough. we can never get to a place where that's not an important thing that we just continue, get in a continual position to continually be loved on right because everybody needs to be loved on constantly somebody was just telling me about this stuff uh, that happens when you touch people, like a man and a woman touch each other, there's a chemical that's released in their body, okay, this is a fact, scientific fact, I forgot what they call it, but something like that, yeah, something important, it's some kind of important thing that your body needs to be healthy, and you know, when, so when you touch a person in a loving embrace, I found out that women need it more than men. Okay? They really do. But men need it also. Right, men? You know that. You, If you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. If you say you don't. How many men in this room... All right, let's just get going. How many times have you felt like, man, I just would, would really like for my wife just to touch me and hold me and embrace me? Is there any of you boys that would think, doggone right? You know why? Because there's something in you that needs that to be a healthy person. Okay? And that's that's love. That's that's the And that's what we need constantly... You know, you, um, a guy may not need, in the natural, may not need that as much as a woman does, but a guy still needs it. And spiritually, we all need that constantly. We need this thing that happens to us spiritually when we feel the Father loving us. And so that's really good. And then we will keep His word because it's not because out of a duty. It's not because of. It's because there's a man will do a lot for the person he desires, right? My son started taking a shower when he got married. (laughs) Because his wife said, I want you to take a shower. He didn't take showers for a long time. I couldn't understand why they're still taking a shower, man. You know, I don't know why kids do stuff, but that was not a big thing. When I was growing up, you know, when I was a teen, we took showers. You know, but for some reason, a lot of kids weren't taking showers for a while. And it's like, (laughs) well, yeah, but it wasn't trying... Yeah, clean hippies. So we do things for the person we care about, that we love. Not because it's something we have to do, because we desire them, we desire their presence. And so I think that's really going to be a key that we, for we us. And then it says, my Father will love, will love him. In other words, my Father will continue. It's a, he will continue to release his love. And we will come and make our home with him. You see, that's where we talk about the Father's living room. It's a home. It's a place where God is living and God is settled and God is there. And that's what the Father wants to do. Well, so that's really, and then in verse 21, I'm going backwards. This is what Jesus said. He who has my commandments and keep them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And what? I will love him and what? Manifest myself. To him, I will man- You see, that's where God wants to bring us. This, He's talking when it says manifest. It means to reveal, and that can come in lots of ways. But in the end time, there's a there's many biblical promises of a greater revealing, a greater glory, a greater manifestation of God in the earth. Right now, this is, this is absolutely essential for us. Moses said, this is what Moses said, okay, in the Old Testament, when the Lord was sending him, he said, I'm sending you an angel. You know how glorious angels are? I'll tell you how glorious. There's two times in the book of Revelation, John the Apostle, at that time, was probably the most powerful, mature, godly saint walking on the entire earth. Two times he tried to worship angels. Two times, John, is Revelation 19, and then in the very I think, uh, Revelation 21, maybe 22. But two times, he fell at an angel's feet to worship him because the, the glory on this angel was so powerful. That's telling you something, right, about how glorious these angels are. These are very powerful angels, obviously. Okay, that's how powerful they were. But here's what Moses said. The Lord's going to send you, and the Lord said, I'm going to send an angel. And this is what Moses said, forget it. I'm not going you see, that's really what the heart of the church has to come to is, is what we're saying. Lord, if, if, God, if the glory of God is not in the church, why do church? Right? If, if we have this access that we have to have that kind of heart, that that's the thing that we've got to go after. We have to say, we want this manifest presence of God. Otherwise, we're going to be like Moses. You know what, Lord? This is not, sort of not worth it, really. Because don't just send an angel. We're looking for something much greater than angels is a manifestation of God himself in the church. And that's really what we have to go over. I believe, I honestly believe, that's going to be a make or break thing for a lot of churches down the road. Is that one thing. And I think a lot of churches won't be churches over it. Because the Lord said he remove re- removed the candlestick. Anyways, we, got, we don't have to worry about that, do we? Uh, let's look at Psalm 27. Are y'all all right? Oh, Lord, the Lord is so good at me. Anyway, Psalm 27. Uh, this is powerful right here. This is King David. Um, hey, listen to this while you're looking for that scripture, like you're looking for it. It's up there on the door. <laughs> okay. Boaz's mom. All right, this is it. Rahab, the prostitute in the Old Testament. Her son was named Boaz. Okay. That's what her son was. She was a prostitute. Boaz married a woman named Ruth who was from another country that a Moabite, which the Bible says a Moabite, no Moabite has an inheritance in the Lord. So she marries Boaz, okay They have a child, this child's name is this is so powerful. This child was named Obed, okay? And this child had a son. His name is Jesse. You know who Obed was? He was King David's granddaddy. Isn't that powerful? King David's great-grandma was a prosti- ex-prostitute, Rahab. Isn't that powerful? You know, the Lord really wants, he wants us to see something about Himself. Huh? He wants us to get it. I'll tell you about the prostitute in a little while. Okay? Anyways, this is David. This is David. We all know this verse. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Isn't that powerful? That was what he was seeking after. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. See, that's a desire. That's a desire We, you and I really need to ask God. Lord, we need that desire in us. We really do need it. We don't need to say we're going to do that. We need the desire. Because the desire motivates you to do that. You see what I'm saying? So we've got to ask God for this desire. Lord, give me that desire that that's the one thing that I'm going to go after. I don't want to just say I'm going to go after. I don't want to just read the Bible. By it. I want to do it, Lord. That's what I want to do. I want to seek Lord. And Now listen to this. and It gets better. For in the time of trouble... Every, you know for in the time of trouble, this verse this verse, this is a powerful verse, verse five, for in the time of trouble, happened because it was a verse four, okay I want us to see that verse five happened because of verse four because of this desire, this seeking, this pursuing, and he said, "For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Is't that power of the Lord? because I have desired the Lord, and when trouble comes, he's going to hide me." He's going to hide me in his, in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. How many people could use a little bit of that, you know? And the, he shall hide me and he shall set me high upon a rock. That rock is the unmovable kingdom, the unshakable kingdom. He's going to set me there. I'll be established there. Everything be falling apart around me, but that's where I'm going to be because one thing I desired, I really desired something. I didn't say it, I desired. it, I desired. it, I didn't talk about it, I didn't read a verse about it, I desired it. I desired it. There's a big difference, there's a big difference in what we say than what's in our heart. I desired Becky, I desired her. And you know what, because I had a real desire. Oh, I didn't think she was just an attractive woman, I desired her and I pursued her. I did something because I did, it was a desire in me. God wants to put a desire in us to go after that one thing where we can really say, Lord, forget the angels. If you don't go, we're not going. Forget where, where it's a real thing in us. It's a real thing as God wants to make it so real to us. And He shall set, and now, He shall set me up on, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. You know that all around me. There's going to be enemies all around me, but I, I'm going to be lifted above them. In other words, where I am, they can't get me, they can't touch me. It's one thing. When me and Becky pray. We pray when think when we're troubled and troubles happening around us. We pray for the grace bubble. Lord, put us in that grace bubble. You know, where the enemy just punches, he can punch himself sick, but he'll never penetrate the the grace bubble. We're protected there. We're safe there. We're alive there. You got to live there. And my head shall be lifted above my enemies All right. Therefore, therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises, isn't that good, to the Lord. All right, listen to this. David pursued this. He went after this. He desired this. And this is what God said. David, I will up it on you. See, here's the thing we got to get about God. He's always looking to up it on us. He he dares us. I mean, really, he said, "Yeah, you come back. I dare you to try to outdo me. I'll outdo you. David. You've desired something. You've gone after something. I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better, David." This is, and he really did it. He did him one better. And this is what you and I've got to get is Acts somewhere two, Acts two. Are y'all okay? Woo, mercy, of Lord. Acts chapter two. Alrighty, we'll try to get all this together here in a second. For David says concerning him, verse 25, listen, now this is important, I want you to get this. I foresaw the Lord, where? Always before where? My face. For he is at what? My right hand. That I may not be. In other words, this is what the Lord said to David. David, you wanted to be in the house of the Lord. You wanted to be there. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come to where you are. Now, that's what we're talking about, the manifest Lord. If we pursue that, we say, we want to be where you are. We want, And He'll say, fine, if that's your desire, guess what? I'll do something even better. I'm coming to where you are. I'm coming into your house. I'm coming to where you work. I'm coming to where you shop. I'm coming to where you lay down in your bed at night. I'm coming to where, if you're standing in the backyard, I'm coming there. I'm going to be there. That's the promise of a church. That's the glory of the church that God wants to give people who have that desire. Lord, one thing I've desired. I've desired to be in your presence. What That's awesome. Guess what? I'm going to be in your presence. I'm going to come in your presence. That's, that's what he said right here. This is what David said. For he is at my right hand. Therefore, my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Listen to this. Moreover, that's kind of a biblical sounding thing. Like, even more so, my flesh will also rest. Hope. Now listen. Rest in hope. My flesh. My flesh resting. I'm not anxious. I'm not tore up. I'm not worrying. I'm not being consumed by all that's going around me. I'm resting in hope because I'm seeing the Lord. He's right here. How could how could I be messed up? How could I not be at rest? How could I not be in that position? Because I'm seeing him. He's right here before my face, and he's at my right hand with me. He's right there. Okay? For he will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your holy one to seek judgment. You have made known to me the ways of the past. Not only is he in my presence, he's telling me which way to go. He's he's giving me decision making information. This is what you need to do today because tomorrow this is going to happen over here. I don't need you to be over there. I need you to be over here because something bad is going to happen over there. You don't need to be around anything happening bad because I've set you on a rock. That's what the Lord wants to do for people. And you will make me full of joy in your presence. Isn't that just a powerful promise to us? But it all happens because a person said, one thing I've desired. One thing made that the number one thing in my life. One thing. You see, that's really what we got to go. We have to go seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness to His glorious presence, the manifest presence. I'm talking the manifest presence that scares the fool out of you when it shows up at first. Like, oh my gosh, something just came in the room and everybody's seeing it and everybody's feeling it. Not just spiritual people. I'm talking about unspiritual people. And people see something, and people hear something, people feel something that's real, and it's Him. That's what's going to happen in the earth, because it says the glory of God is going to come on the earth. There's going to be a difference. There's going to be a difference in the, in the end days. There's going to be great darkness, there's going to be great light. That's the manifest glory. And God wants us to teach us how to come into that glory, and how to facilitate that glory, how to cultivate that glory. And it's not just about... And it's, is something really precious, okay? All right. Number that's number two, right? Number three. By the way, this is like you know preaching from your journal because <laughs> so I never didn't have a good chance here. All right. The third thing that I believe that we have to really place this, that we really need to focus on, is what well, family, community, family, community. God is really in the family, community. So we could say church if we wanted to. But we'll be, because everybody's so jumpy about church. Everybody has such a mindset about church. But I'll tell you this. God is interested in community. God is interested in family. He's interested in real connections. Okay, here's what I remember, 9-11. This is what I really remember distinctly about 9-11. As the day wore on, I saw groups of people gather. I saw families come together as this tragedy unfolded, and as the uncertainty, the questions, people went back to these groups that they felt comfortable and felt safe with. People were looking for something to grab hold of. And what were they going to? They were going to where there was real relationships. They were going to that. And you see, that's really why God really is saying, family's important. Community's important. Relationship, spiritual is really important in the days ahead. Okay? Now, Ken Helzer had this great little saying that we've said before, that I wrote down. This is what he said. And this is really key. The key to church is relationships. And I'm telling you that right now. The key to church is relationships. There's, this thing that we call church lost times is not church biblically. Church is built on relationships. Okay? Real and living relationships. Just like families are built on real and living in relationships. They ain't no, this business of coming to family, I'm going to go to family today. That's not family. You know, that's really not family. The key to church is relationships. The key to relationships is communication. Communication, okay? And the key to communication is honesty. It's honesty. It's getting real, okay? It's getting real. See, God's calling us to get real. He's calling us to get really, really real. Now listen, here's the thing. You and I, we, we can never have this community. This, I'm talking true spiritual community. You can't have it here if you don't have it with Him. Okay, it, it, it's, it's not real. People, here's what, here's what I've been doing, okay? This, this, is what I, this is what I want for my life, is I want something real. With God. Okay? I, won't, I How many people in here are tired of religion? How many, how many people like going through the motions? How many people like getting up in the morning? I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to read the Bible today because I'm supposed to. So i got to get my duty done. Let me read my ten verses. Or let me read my chapter. Let me spend my thirty minutes or three hours. Whatever you do. And praying because that's what I'm supposed to do. See, so many people get caught in that trap. And one day you wake up and you have no. Oh, let me go. I'm supposed to be praying in tongues an hour every day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in tongues for my hour today. I'm going to get my job. I'm going to get it done so I can get on. Well, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, does anybody know what I'm talking Am I the only people, person in here that falls prey to, to that kind of stuff? It's religion. It's, it's the leaven of the Pharisees that, that's in us. That God, wants, that God wants to get out of us. Okay, so this is what I did with the Lord. I told the Lord, you know what, Lord, I'm tired of that. I'm going to do something different. Okay, here, you know what, Lord, you can have the Bible if you want the Bible. Take the Bible. I took my Bible and threw it. Here, here's my journal, Lord. I love to write scriptures down and write, write notes to God in my journal. You know, I write a scripture and then I write this thing, dear Father. And then I'll start writing. Here, Lord, you can take my dear Father thing and you have it. I'll throw it out the way. I don't want it no more. If that, if all I'm doing is going through some dear father motion, if I'm just reading this just because I'm supposed to read the, forget it. I don't want to do it. Who wants that? Who needs that? Is that real? That's not real. That's not a relationship. You know what I found out about women? I'll tell you all men disgrace it. Women want a connection with their husband. Okay? And here's the, what men, men do stupid things. Well, I better go I'm, I'm not. I'm not playing golf just to be with you. You're not playing golf just to be with me. Like that means something to me. I don't want to hear I'm not playing golf because really you'd rather be playing golf than being with me. What I want is I want you to really want to be with me so much that you could just throw everything to side. And but men to give their little secrets away because I know I've got to be with her or she'll be unhappy. And ain't no woman want that, <laughs> you know. See, that's not real relationship. That's, that's not real relationship. God doesn't want us reading the Bible because we're supposed to read the Bible. God wants a relationship. He doesn't want us praying to Him, praying, doing our praying in tongues. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to go soak an hour now. Oh gosh, you know. What time is it? How long is this, man? God, eight minutes have went by. Please hurry up. So I can get on my life, Lord. Although I think I'm supposed to do this because this is spiritual. That ain't, that ain't real. We need to get rid of all that stuff. Just throw it all away. If you, if the, now listen, I'm a big believer in reading the Bible. I love reading the Bible. Okay? I bought me a new journal. Okay? I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy me a new journal. Okay? This is what I'm doing. So I went out looking for journals. And I found one. I thought, hey, I like this journal. Okay? Because it has something written on the front of it. It's called Thoughts. Okay? It's because I'm going to get me some new thoughts, Lord. Because I'm tired of the thoughts I've had. I'm sick of my old thoughts. I'm sick of going through the mess. I want something real. Lord, I want something real. I want something real. I'm tired of all this other stuff. I'm not going to do the other stuff. I want something that's real. If I'm going to do a journal, it's going to be real. It ain't going to be because that's the, what you're supposed to do these days. I'm not going to do jur- just because that's the way you're supposed to do it. I want something real out of this deal. or I'm not doing it. And God's calling us into that now because He's calling us into real relationship with Him. He's calling us into honesty with Him. See, I don't need to start being honest with Matthew Bollinger about, my, about our relationship until I can get real gut-level honest with God about my relationship with Him. And when I get honest with God, then I can start being honest with everybody else. Because then it doesn't matter because I'm living an honest life. And that's how you have a relationship. That's how you have Communication. Is you get honest. And I think God's calling people to get honest with Him right now about your life, about your relationship with Him, about what's really going on in your relationship with Him. That's why I said, Lord, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Lord. I, I love that Scripture in Psalm 27. I, I love that Seek first again. But honestly, I don't have that desire to do that. I need you to do something in me. I need you to impart a desire in me to do that. That's getting honest. And I believe as we begin to cultivate this relationship thing with the Lord, um, it's going to be really special. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11. Alrighty. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. This is Paul. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's pretty good, isn't it? But I fear... Okay, I just noticed that this morning. I read that, but I fear. I thought, wait a minute now. Hold on just a minute here. But I fear. Good, come on. This is Paul the Apostle. What are you you doing fearing? Don't we believe and not fearing anything? I mean, really? Do we believe in that? How many people in here believe that? I'm not supposed to have fear in my life. I believe that. I don't believe in fear. Don't we think fear is the devil's faith? Right? Aren't we against fear? God has not given us a spirit of fear. But love, power, well, and I didn't hear it. Paul was saying, I fear. Well, I've looked it up between the services and figured out maybe that's just a bad translation there. You know. Maybe it's not a theological dilemma. And I discovered something. It's a theological dilemma. It's a mystery. I don't know. He shouldn't be fearing as far as I'm concerned. That goes against my belief system. I haven't figured it out yet. I will just throwing it out there. So you might figure it out. But he said, I fear at least somehow. It means alarm. It comes from the word that we get Phobia. That's what it I phobia. I got this phobia about y'all. <laughs> you know? It's what it the Greek word is, phobios or something like that. Anyways. Somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, the devil being the serpent by craftiness. So your minds may be minds, everybody, minds. Okay, get get a hold of our minds, let God have our minds. Your minds may be corrupted from simplicity. That means single-hearted, devotional relationship with Christ. You see, that's how the devil does it. He gets in our minds, corrupts our minds, and we lose relationship. Him. we get, get into religion. And we don't even know it. And we're anti-religion. We're anti-fear. We're anti-religion. And we have all this stuff that we're anti-operating in our lives. And what God wants us to get honest with Him and get real with Him about this stuff. And began to let him work on this stuff in us. I mean, just getting real with God. I mean, have you ever, had, get, have you ever got real with your, your spouse? I mean, just like God, we got to get real. we got issues here. we got to talk. And we got to just throw all this other stuff down and get straight with each other. You know, that's what God is asking for, uh, from us right now. He's asking us, y'all got to get real with me. You've got to get honest with me. You've got to quit this game because this world is shaking and I'm shaking it. And you need to be on this rock so you won't be shook off with everybody else and taken down with everybody else. And I think getting honest with God is a good place to start because I think in the future the body of Christ is going to be really important in the world and we're going to need each other a lot more than we've ever needed anybody else in the past. We're going to have a need for each other. And, and we're not and it's gotta be real, it can't be fake anymore. It can't be religion. It can't be going through the motions. It, ain't, it can't be something we're supposed to do. It's gotta come from something that's real. And so that's the three things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. One, two, seek one thing of desire, be in the manifest presence of the Lord. And three, is relationships. That's really what I believe this church has to go after. Okay, I believe this is what this church has to go after. Okay, now let me tell you about the prostitute. Okay, I got two things I want to tell you. Okay, the end. Are y'all all right? Let me tell you about the. Pro- I read this out in California. There's a program that they have, I guess, in the school systems out there where they get people, adults, to come into the schools and sit down and read with the children. To sort of help them learn how to read, you know. Besides just a teacher, I don't know exactly the thinking behind it. Well, they invited this woman to come in, and she, in a certain school system, and she read with the children. Okay, did you know? Did the program? Well, it turns out they found out about this woman. This woman was a porn star. Okay, and she was very famous. She had won awards for doing vile sex acts. Okay. And so everybody's in an outrage over this porn star reading to these children. When you mind, you think, oh, yeah, they, we shouldn't be having porn stars reading to the kids, obviously, right? Well, this is what she said. Well, she said, "Well, listen, this is the way it is. I was a porn star. I have quit doing that two years ago. Okay, I'm not a porn star. I don't, she said, I don't care what anybody says about me, but what I did doesn't define who I am now. Okay? I was in there trying to help those kids. I was trying to help those kids. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people, your past is defining you. You hear what I'm saying to you? You're letting yesterday tell you who you are today. And I thought, when I read that, I'm thinking, yeah, bring the porn- ex-porn stars on. You know, because that woman had more guts and more revelation than most Christians have. Because that's how the devil talks to us, just like well, the way those people were talking to that woman. But she just refused to accept it. She refused to accept what her mistakes, her issues, what she did wrong in her past. She refused to let that define who she was at this moment. As far as she was concerned, she had every right to speak to those children. She was qualified to speak to those children because that wasn't who she was. It, What she was in the past wasn't who she is today. Isn't that powerful? And see, I believe there's people in this room sitting here right now. Your past defines you. It defines you. And you're living based on a definition of who you are that you're not really that person no more. Because Jesus said, you know, we are the righteousness of Christ and God. And when we say seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, really you're seeking to be who you really are. That's what his righteousness is. That's who you are. You're his righteousness. You've got to live from that. Are y'all getting that? Okay, here's the other thing. Um, we had this dog that had puppies a few years ago. Actually, about, you know, 17 years ago. A couple months, right? A few months. 17 years ago. So, the dog had the puppies. We sold the puppies. People buy puppies. Can you believe that people can't spend 300 bucks on a dog? So we sold these puppies, which I was so happy people were actually buying the puppies. You know, they bought all the puppies except one puppy. Okay? So we had this one puppy. And I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. I, knew it. I could feel it coming that day when the last puppy that sold, as they were driving off, I saw this person walking to me on the porch crying about this puppy. What about this puppy? I want this puppy. Okay? And I said, you want the puppy that nobody wants. You want the puppy that nobody wants. And that puppy died yesterday, by the way. Okay? That puppy turned out to be a great gift from God to us. Okay? It was a pet. But this is the thing the Lord showed me about the puppy. Okay? Okay? You see, that puppy was a special puppy. God saved that puppy for Becky. That's why nobody wanted a puppy. And see, this is what you and I need to see about
1: ourselves.
0: A lot of people in this room feel rejected. They don't feel like you measure up. It's really you got to get this. You got to get this. If you don't get this, I'm telling you, if you don't get this, you've missed the whole. You've missed the essence of Christianity. Okay, this is really the truth. This is what nobody, it's so hard for us to get this. God, you're like that puppy. Nobody wanted you. And a lot of people went out and did a bunch of stuff to get people to want them, not realizing you were that special puppy that God saved for Himself. And when you look in the mirror, you go, look, I'm the puppy that nobody wanted. But he wanted me, and he was saving—he was saving me for him. In all these years, I, I felt rejected. I felt—I didn't feel good enough. I felt like I didn't measure up. But the real truth was, he was saving me for him. There's people in this room right now that you don't feel that, you don't know that, you don't know that God is saving you for him. He saved you for him. That's why nobody else wanted you. That's why you got rejected. He did it so He could have you. Because He loves you and you're wonderful. And when we begin to really believe that, I mean really believe that, see that's what that prostitute, somehow she knew that. She knew, she knew that woman knew she was not that porn star. She knew she wasn't. She was not going to let the word, anybody tell her anything yet different. And and, and there's people saying, there's there's stuff telling you different constantly. Your life will change instantly when you quit listening to those words. It will change. In that moment, your life will change forever. It will change forever. If you could just believe you're like the puppy that nobody wanted. But it was really the puppy that God the Father wanted. I want you. I want you to be my puppy. I want you to be my friend. I want you to be... I've saved you for me. Saved you for me. And when you begin to look at yourself in the mirror and you can see yourself like that, something's going to happen to you. That will transform your life, it will make you into a different person. But we're not getting that. I I would, Lord, help us. Please help us. Help us to get that, Lord. Lord, maybe that's really. You know what Steve Jobs are talking about you that two or three things you need to focus on. Maybe that's one thing you need to focus on in life is that. Start believing that. Quit believing all that other stuff. You know this is really we've got one chance on the earth we've got one chance in this time of life What I would be willing to do, I'd do it right now if I knew I could, this would work. I would trade, I honestly can say this with all my heart. If I could get everybody in this room, I'd really believe that? I mean, really believe that? I'd be willing to walk out the door and never walk back in this church again because this is the way I live. In. If I could do that, I'd never need to come back again. I'd be willing to trade off that for that. we could get that one thing. We could just know that somehow God picked us and really know it and live our life based on that and think out that place and act out that place. To me, that's really what the essence of the Christianity is all about. That's what the essence of the cross is all about. That's what the essence of the Father's heart is all about. That's what the essence of the Holy Spirit, whenever He does anything, it's all about that one thing. is to get us to believe that one thing. Just somehow to convince us that. And I think it's terrible when people in the world are starting to see stuff like like, like that porn star woman. Like she was seeing something that we're not seeing. We've got to get that. I'm asking you to get it this morning if you can. That's what I'm doing. I'm asking me to get it. You know, I'm asking me to get it. So let me pray for you. Lord, Somehow help us believe that. You feel like that man in the Bible that time, his son was an epileptic, and all the guys were trying to heal him and deliver him, and nobody could get him healed and delivered. And you were up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. You came down, and there was this big mess, and the kid was just in terrible shape, Lord. And they were saying, "We can't get him healed." And you said, "How long has this been going on?" Daddy started talking about how the boy got thrown in the fire and thrown in the water and he foamed at his mouth. And, and you, Lord, you said, you said it did. Do you believe? That's what you said to him. Do you believe? And he said, Lord, Lord, I believe. Help me. Just help me, Lord. Lord, help us today. Lord, the last thing we want to be is people who talk about the Father's love. And somehow in our heart of our hearts we don't believe we're that special person. That you saved all this and all that rejection, all that hurt was really you saying I was saving you from me. I didn't want them to have you. I wanted you for myself. I wanted you to know. I wanted you to know that you're mine. Lord, help us to believe that. Really believe it. I mean, believe it to our core, Lord. I pray, God, that this religious spirit that just binds us and just tears us up and eats us of alive. Lord, I pray you'd break that out of our hearts, Lord. It would come out of us, Lord. Or we would just say, we curse religion in us, Lord. We curse it, Lord. We hate religion. We know it is against relationship. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And free us, Lord. Free us. Free us, Lord, to be honest with you. And give us, Lord. Give us that desire to desire you to seek You. Lord, I ask You to do that for every person in this room. Just work on our hearts right now.
2: Just work on our hearts.
0: And I think that's what the Lord wants. Let's just take a moment. Let Jesus work on your heart. Just let
2: Him work on your heart. Some people...
0: You know, it's like being in college. Okay? You know how, if you went to college, you know how this miserable college could be. Just like, especially after Thanksgiving, it's a bad time. It's when they give exams, you know? mean, like, please let me get through this time. And then, the way I was in college, it was like whiplash. You know, you come to the end of the semester and you've been just going as hard as you could go the whole time studying then it all just ended. You know, and that's where a lot of people are. It's like, we're taking a test. You know, some of you, this is the truth, some of you, it's the last test, it's, it's graduation time after this. And for some of you, you got other semesters in front of you. Okay? But I think the desire thing... The, the, the honest thing is like the, the, like the test. That's the test. The test. If we can just get that, you know, that's, that's what can release us into our destinies. So, anyways, I'm just going to, we're going to do some worship and uh, Lord bless And he's going to do that song again, you know. Lord, we, I just want to bless people in this room right now. Um,. I'm telling you, we're in a different time. Something different is happening right now. Okay, I don't know what the end of it is, but I do know that we're in a different time. I do know who you were yesterday does not need to define who you are now. Okay, I do know that. You can be free to be you. You can be free to be that special person right now. You don't have to live out of what happened to you yesterday. This can be a new time, but you can step, you can step across a boundary today into something completely new. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. I'm gonna just tell you this: God hates disease. He hates it. The passion. He hates it. He hates it. He wants people to be whole. He doesn't give people diseases. He heals people. I don't understand why people don't get healed instantly and all that, but I just know this: I'm good. I'm satisfied to know that He hates it. You know, if He hates it, I can hate it. I can curse it. Stand up one more time if you're a person who has sickness. Just the sickness people. I really...
3: Here's some words of knowledge that some people got. First of all, heartburn. and uh, If that's you, just stand up. If this is something that just affects you. Uh, ringing in the ear. And then the other ones were, uh, I don't know if I pronounced this right, but my leothoid cancer and schizophrenia. So, uh, if that's you, you need the Lord to touch you. Just stand up right now. And we just want to agree with the Word of the Lord to destroy these diseases, these sicknesses in these bodies. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we command these things to dissipate, to leave right now. I command that ringing in the ear
2: to stop
3: right now in the name of Jesus. We command that constant heartburn issue to stop right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for those minds, Lord, that are being affected by uh, improper chemicals. We command those minds to come into subjection to heaven today. To be completely whole and completely healed. That cancer, we curse the cancer right now. Say, let the life of God be released into those bodies right now. In the name of Jesus. We thank You, Father, for doing amen
1: I just want to encourage you while he plays this song I had this experience this week I really want to encourage you just to let the Lord love on you during this song that um, I had this experience this week I felt like the Lord said be still and know that I am God and I got so still and everything quieted down so much when I was just thinking on the Lord as God and how great He is that I fell asleep and when I woke up, He spoke to me and He just said, I'm after your heart. Everything else is temporal. Everything else really is temporal. But your heart, there's eternity in your heart. And that's what I'm after is your heart. And I really do, just while He plays this song, I just, I think just there's just a soaking just to let the Lord go after our hearts. He would just be able to do what only He can do in our hearts.
2: make your mind.
0: And somehow let it be in the right place. I pray that for everybody, that we catch this. Whatever this is, disappointments, their marriages, their broken marriages, their broken hearts. Lord, we just call you down into it, Lord. We call you down into it, Lord. And I pray that we all really could know your love in a deeper way. In a deeper way. In a deeper way. And Lord, I pray that we really could love each other love ourselves and love each other out of your love, Lord. Out of that deep well of love that you want us to have. Thank you for that. Thank you for these people in this room, Lord. Thank you for every person in this room.